Is it funny that every time we do our intro, well, we still haven't figured out how to do it, but we have the feeling that we need to sing. <laughs> it, it's just a natural introduction. Don't you sing to strangers on the street when they say hi? <laughs> all the time. All the time. And for some strange reason, I don't have many stranger on the street friends. I have a man who's a friend. I think he's a friend to mostly everyone in the neighborhood. He spends time outside of Dunkin' Donuts and there's something going on there. But he he says hello and he like greets everyone. How have a nice day. How are you? Like just is always saying something in on a spiel. And it's always very positive and really lovely. And so I'm always like, hey, how's it going? As I pass by. But one of our friends, I don't know exactly what happened, but for some reason, this man does not like him. And so mm. he's the only one that gets targeted in a negative way when walking by. That's a bummer. I know. But I'm like, man, you need to redeem yourself. You need to bring this man some cheer so that you get... He basically Matt talks everyone every morning and it's wonderful. Ah, love Matt talk. So good. Have you watched Love is Blind yet? Sabrina, I said I wouldn't watch Love is Blind. Everyone was like, I hate myself for watching this, but it's too good. And I was like, I'm not that person. I don't like The Bachelorette. I'm not a big reality show person. I I have no interest in this. Then my roommate, Jill from HR, sitting on the couch. She's watching an episode of Love is Blind. I sit down, just trying to hang out with her. Done. I watch all season. I know. You can't not. It <laughs> you just, can't it's not. It's the weirdest thing because I'm I'm the same way. I am not a reality TV show person at all. And I hate watch this show because the entire time I'm watching it, I'm like, none of you are having conversations that are making me think, yes, you are lifelong partners and should be married. None of them. They're like, do you like no. dogs? I love dogs. Oh my God, let's get married. I know. It's crazy how fast it happens. And it almost feels like it's an experiment in itself of an experiment because of the fact that it's like within that house, there's pressure amongst the X amount of men and X amount of women to get engaged quicker so that they're not the last one standing or that they are left behind without a significant other. So it's, it's almost true. like these men are proposing so quickly because it's like, I don't want another guy to swoop in there and get this woman and take her from me. Yeah, you know, no one there. There were no proposals where people said no. It was interesting that everyone said yes to the proposal, and then, of course, you get to wedding day, and certain couples don't make it. But mm -hmm. it was very interesting. One one big piece of info that they left out, or I just missed, was how long their dates are. Oh yeah, I don't know because they make it look like it was like a quick. You get like thirty minutes, an hour with someone. Right. Another huge thing that they left out, and it was bothering me for so long, and it wasn't until they were. It was probably like episode six when they were going to each other's homes and meeting their families that I realized that they all live in the same city. But the yeah, entire time ATL. I was like, they left that out. And I was like, that's a pretty big detail. And I was like, why are none of you asking where you live? What do you do for work? What are you going to do? Would you move? Because if you get married to a complete stranger, you don't know where they live. You don't know their situation. So that was my biggest pet peeve with that show. <laughs> they did. They said it in the first episode. Oh, missed it. <laughs> just missed it. it was a very quick like they just kind of like flew over it and then you probably got confused because right away jessica and mark are like we're from chicago yeah so, yeah yeah it made it confusing but they just meant that would be like 
me being like, I'm from Vermont, but like I'm just doing something in Boston. Okay. It's also strange because I feel like Love is Blind and Netflix are brainwashing us because you and I both are not big reality TV show people. Nick is the furthest thing from a reality TV show person. We watch the challenge and that's like our guilty pleasure. But on Friday night, it was his birthday. Friday night, we went out, we saw Gigawatt Thrust, which is this like amazing 90s emo cover band that plays in LA. We love them. And we get back, it's like 1230. And Nick decides to put on episode two of Love is Blind on his birthday. And I was like, what has taken over you? That says something that really says a lot. So who is your favorite person on, on Love is Blind? I hate them all, but I like them all. Like, you know, I have so many issues with all of them, but I think my favorite is Gina Nina. Who? Gina Nina. Who's that? She's the like little blonde one from Venezuela. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, she just goes by Gigi for the rest of that. So I was like, who? Oh, I always call her by her full name. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I follow her on Instagram now and she's kind of my style icon. She, okay, yes. That's why I started watching was because they were doing, they were trying on wedding dresses. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love that shirt that that girl's wearing. Janina, Gigi was wearing a white (laughs) shirt. And I was like, that girl's got good style. Mm -hmm. Speaking of trying on wedding dresses to uh, divert our conversation to me, (laughs) I am heartbroken. Yeah. What are you going to do? I told you about this dress, right? Yes. So I tried on wedding dresses and I was like, okay, wedding dresses are so expensive. Like I'm not going to be that person who like tries on a fancy wedding dress and is like, oh, I need this. Like I'm going to find something else. I tried on a wedding dress, made the mistake of not knowing how much it cost until after it was on my body. And after I fell in love with it, I think I'm going to start selling my socks to people online. Sabrina, you could, if that's the business you want to do to get I support you in that. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I think Nick does too. It's just, that's one of the hard things. That's, yeah, that's a good lesson to learn. Like always know the what's on the tag before you put I know. it on. But here's the other thing. It's like people always, very rarely is anyone in the position where they get every single thing they want in their wedding because it's just, that's just not it's budget expensive, yeah. appropriate. But like, what a lot of couples do is you have to, you prioritize like the one, two, and three things that are most important. So for you guys, are you willing to give up on like a live band for a DJ in order to have more money for your dress or compromise no. with food or wedding, like do cupcakes instead of a cake? Announcement to all of my wedding guests, which is basically just you because I don't think any of my other wedding guests actually listen to this podcast. Maybe Thanks, next everyone. family. <laughs> we are, <laughs> we are um, no longer serving food at our wedding. So I can wear a dress. Perfect. I will keep snacks in my pockets. So the bridesmaid dresses better have pockets. No, I've been doing everything. Like I have become a web sleuth. I have tracked down people who wore the dress to their own weddings. And I'm going to message them and be like, do you want to sell it? And I... That's not a bad idea. I know. I need to do it. I I have to work up the nerve. I messaged the designer themselves on Facebook. No response. Still waiting. What do you even say? Hi, I'm Sabrina. Give me this dress for a discount. Basically, but I'm a writer, so I wrote it in better words. I had talked about how I dreamt about it after I put it on, which I do. It did. It's true. I messaged another store that sells it in Colorado. Yeah, I'm going to try everything. Is this the dress? Like, are you going to do everything to try to get this dress or? It's the dress. But I also am trying on, I'm going to go to other places and try other dresses. But I'm like, oh, it would break I know my heart. it's tough to get something out of your head. And wedding planning is so hard. And then, oh, that's the other thing. People like are like, oh my God, I love wedding planning. It's the best time ever. Um, 
who are you? Come find me because I need to have a conversation with you. Yeah. You have to use wedding planning services. You mm-hmm. Like our friend Caitlin had the easiest, breeziest time because she literally, she was in a position where she could have a full on wedding planner. Yeah. It's nice to have help. It's one of those things where like someone threw me into a, uh, I'm trying to think of it, like into a rugby game and said, okay, now win the game. And it's like, I've never played rugby before. I don't know the rules. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I need to wear equipment wise. <laughs> I, I, what, like, who's on my team? I don't know. <laughs> That's such a good analogy. But I mean, the day of will be amazing. And yeah. like our engagement party was proof of that. The day of will be amazing. And I will say, I feel like part of your stress and part of probably everyone's stress who's planning weddings is that I don't know where it came from, but suddenly we have more events and events are bigger. So it's like, the bridal showers used to be just like an intimate thing with your that your mom would put on with just like some local friends and family. And now there are Mm -hmm. these huge events. And then somewhere in the past few years, people started doing engagement parties. So now there's like all of this extra pressure and money to be spent and like extra basically wed like your engagement party is like basically a second wedding. And so there's just so much more to plan. And I imagine it's incredibly stressful. It's just a lot. It's it's a lot. Well, don't don't get all wrinkled up and grayed before your wedding. Oh, I won't. I won't. And I definitely won't if I can get this dress. <laughs> <laughs> send me send me. Well, well, you probably don't want people to see your dress. I was going to say send me your dress. I'll try to do some sleuthing. Yeah, I will send you the name of it. And then, yes, I would love your help for that. Yeah. But worst comes to worst, like, honestly, I'm the type of person that I could just wear I also really want a pantsuit. Like I would wear a pantsuit to my wedding day. That would be very, you could get a very chic pantsuit. And like comfy. I feel like Beta Brand, which we love, has amazing pants. And I could get like a nice pair of like white pantsuits. The yoga that pants. is absolutely true. Let's jump in. This week we are doing haunted buses. Haunted buses, mode of transportation most frequently used in America is that an oh. accurate statistic? I don't know, but it sounds right. I don't know that it sounds right. I mean, I believe you because you said it, but I would have thought like trains. Because do subways and metros count as trains? If they do, I would feel like that's commonly used. Ugh, you're right. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I totally bought into your fact, though. I also always think of the magic school bus because I think the magic school bus was super haunted, but like in the best, po- most positive way. I love the magic school bus. That's right? such a good. I I was trying to convince one of my coworkers who's so crafty last year to do a couple's costume with her boyfriend to be Miss Frizzle, Miss Frizzle, and then the the chameleon, the like iguana. Oh creature. yeah, I forget Wouldn't his that name. Be adorable. That would be great. I feel like yes. That's also not a terribly difficult costume to do. I feel like you could just get a cool wig and then an amazing fun dress. And it would be so fun to do a dress too because you could DIY it and Mm -hmm. go to the craft store or wherever and get a bunch of really cool patches that you could iron on and make your own sick ass dress. It sounds like that's something you should consider doing. Maybe I'll do it. Very you. (laughs) So, okay. I chose, and I don't know how I came upon this. I came upon it a long time ago while doing research for something else. Mm -hmm. But it's called the Midnight Bus, or also known as Bus 375. It's a story that comes from China. 
And the year was 1995, also the same year that O.J. Simpson was acquitted and found not guilty for the murders of Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman. But I just wanted to acclimate us because that has nothing to do with the story. But sometimes people are like, oh, 1995, what year was that? And so I was like, oh, here, it's this year. Or I could have said, like, it's the year that I was two years old, but then no one would have any reference. (laughs) It doesn't mean anything to anyone else. Yeah. Or to me either, because I have no memory of it. While OJ was on trial in the States, something strange was happening in China. It was November 14th, 1995. It was a chilly fall night in Beijing, China, when bus 375 made its final route. As the story goes, the bus was being manned by the driver and a female conductor. They pulled out of the Yan Ming Yan bus terminal at midnight, which is why they call it the midnight bus. And the bus was heading towards Fragrant Hills, which is its final destination. It's a journey of 14.7 kilometers or 9.1 miles, which by car, thanks to Google Maps, said it would take about 30 minutes. But if you add in all the stops, I'd say probably it would take like an hour for bus 375 to actually make it to their final destination. So bus 375 begins its journey. It stops at South Gate next to the Summer Palace and an old lady, a young couple and a young man all board the bus. They get on. The young couple sits at the very front of the bus behind the driver and then the older woman and young boy kind of take their own seats on the side of the door, kind of in the middle of the bus. In the streets outside, the window were very desolate and still, which was fitting for the time because it was midnight, way past my bedtime and probably many of our listeners, Mm because I just imagine that you're all people I'd get along with and I'm a grandma. So the passengers just sat there in the quiet, listening to the howling of the wind as the bus drove through the streets and the bus continued down the route as planned until the bus driver spotted two shadows by the side of the road and they were waving the bus down. They looked like they needed help Mm. and the bus driver was concerned for their well-being. And although hesitant, he was like, this isn't, this isn't a pre-planned stop. Like I shouldn't necessarily stop, but he's human and he cared for these people who are out in the middle of the street late at night, waving him down. So the bus driver decides to make the stop and allow them passage. The bus came to a stop. The exhaust puffed out the back of the bus and the mechanical doors creaked open to reveal the men on the side of the road but there weren't just two men there were three and they were dressed in traditional chinese robes ones reminiscent of the qing dynasty and if that wasn't strange enough their faces were deathly pale and the third man was awfully disheveled he was unable to hold himself up And the two men took him from either side and lifted him up onto the bus, like they were weakened at burning it. They supported the third man and carried him to the back of the bus and sat on either side of him. And everyone on the bus had a weird feeling. Like immediately everyone kind of was looking around at each other, looking back at these men. Everyone felt off. The conductor felt unsettled. The driver felt strange. They were like, there's something wrong with these men who just walked on the bus. There was something chilling about them something wrong with their energy. And the conductor even felt so unsettled and realized that the other passengers of the bus felt unsettled. So she made a remark and she said, don't be afraid. I'm sure they're just actors in costumes who got drunk after work and I don't know, forgot to change. Everyone was like, yeah, okay. But the fact that a conductor felt the need to say something and also felt the need to say, don't be afraid, you know? Yeah. It's like very clearly there was something off. Something was wrong. 
And so very out of a horror movie, everyone agreed and continued with life. They just laughed it off. They're like, yes, they're just some drunk men, drunk actors. And the driver pressed on the gas pedal and the wheels on the bus went round and round. Yes, I wrote that in because I'm corny. (laughs) So after three or four stops, the young couple exited the bus and the bus continued. And all of a sudden, the older woman began screaming and yelling. And she's hitting the young boy who's sitting in front of her. And she's accusing him of trying to steal her purse. And she's yelling at him. And the young boy is like, what is happening? And and the woman is saying, I need to take him to the police. She's yelling to the bus driver, telling him to stop the bus because she needs to take this boy to the police because he was trying to steal her purse. And everyone is so confused. But this woman is so persistent and yelling and and eventually the bus driver is like i have no other choice i have to let if this is a true crime then yes she should take the man to the police so he stops the bus and the old woman pulls this young man off the bus like pulling him by his collar forcing him off the bus Mm. and this man is just like i'm you know i'm gonna go with you because i don't want to cause any chaos like clearly you have a stick you're making a stink about this and I don't want to cause any more trouble. Like, I'm sure once we get to the police, it can be cleared up. And they get off the bus. The bus driver's like, do you need us to wait? Do you want me to call the police? Like, do you, like you know, it's 95. You know, one has cell phones. The woman's like, we're fine. We're fine. And the bus driver goes, okay, and starts pulling away. And as the bus pulls away and goes further and further into the distance, the woman lets go of the young boy. And the young boy looks at him very confused, looks at the woman very confused and is like, what's going on? I thought you were taking me to the police. And the woman just completely drops her act, looks at him very seriously and says, I'm not taking you to the police station. I just saved your life. The young man was like, uh, what? What do you mean? And the woman tells him that the three men who entered the bus, they were not men, not anymore. They were ghosts. And she said that the feeling they all felt when the men entered the bus was because they were not men, they were ghosts. And she couldn't let it go. She couldn't convince herself that they were actors. And so she kept turning to look at them and saw that when the wind blew their robes like away from their legs, the robes gave way. And where there should have been legs, there were none. All three of them were legless. They were ghosts. And she had a feeling that they were not good ghosts. So that is why she, after the couple left the bus, she created this whole ordeal in order to get them off the bus. She had a bad feeling. She felt like something bad was going to happen. She felt like they were not good spirits and they did not mean them well. So she wanted to get them off. The young man is just like sweating at this point. He, sure, he believes in ghosts, but he's never experienced ghosts for himself. And he's just like, what do we do? I mean, if you felt like they were bad, do we need to tell the police? Like, do we need to say something? And they decided to go to the police. But of course, the police didn't believe them. And they just thought they were just, you know, a couple of crazy people out late at night. Who, mm-hmm. I don't know. Who knows what they were doing? It's past midnight. when And, you know, someone comes to you and is like, there are ghosts on a bus. What are you going to do? I don't know. But now I'm tempted to walk myself over to my local police station and be like, there are ghosts on the bus. <laughs> just see what they just like smile. <laughs> They'd be oh, like, God. oh, I'm concerned. picturing it as like, you know, when John Mulaney it just I picture John Mulaney saying it and just seeing how it goes. Oh, he'd be hilarious. And the police, of course, turn them away, dismiss it as crazy and a prank. But, 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 Corinne, the next mm-hmm. morning, bus 375, it was missing. It never made it to its final stop at Fragrant Hills. The bus had vanished along with the driver and the conductor. 
And so now the police are like, mm, I don't believe there were ghosts, but I think this old woman and this young man who came in telling us this crazy story know something. And they interrogate that makes them, them. A suspect, doesn't it? Right. They interrogate them and ask them questions. They're like, where is the bus? And they're like, dude, we swear, we don't know. We came to you telling you there was something wrong and you did nothing. They're telling the story and they're sticking to their guns, saying there were ghosts, these three men dressed up in Qing Dynasty robes. And they go on the news, like everyone wants to hear their story. Finally, two days later, the police found the missing bus. It was submerged in the Mayun Reservoir. And upon recovering it, they found three badly decomposed bodies, the bus driver, the conductor, and an unidentified man that the woman assumed must have been picked up at a stop sometime after she and the young man had gotten off. Oh, my God. But the mystery of what happened to this bus only deepened. The bus did not have enough gas to get to the reservoir, and yet it did. Like, I think it was like 100 kilometers or something out of the way, which is a long distance. Like, how did it get there? And the bodies were also further decomposed than they should have been, even though they were in water. So, like, bodies decompose differently because when they're in water, but the bodies were just really, really badly decomposed. And some versions of this story said the police found blood inside the tank instead of gasoline. And even stranger, the security cameras in and around the Mayun Reservoir didn't pick up footage of the bus at any time at all. It wasn't like there was missing footage. It's just the bus doesn't appear on the footage at all at any point. But it got there. And it it, it was found in the water. So the question is, how did it get there? Sight unseen. How did these people die? What happened to these ghosts? And there are no answers. Zero answers, Corinne. No one knows what happened. It's still a mystery. And people... There's a lot of people are scared to take the midnight bus now because of what happened. Oh, my God. It's never happened again. No, no, not since. What in the hell? Okay, I'm. (laughs) So three ghostly men in Chang Dynasty clothing, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Walk onto a bus and they're ghosts. But one of them appears to be injured because they're. Yes. Or drunk or dead or. So I'm just, okay, so then it leaves, if one person is unable to fight, I mean, not not to say that, like, two versus three is not, I'm just wondering what went down, like, how did it all happen? Wait, were the bodies in the lake with the bus? Yeah, they were in the bus in the lake. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, that's so scary for those people. I know. Holy shit. And, like, it's one of those things, though, when you read that story or hear that story, you wonder what was going through the old woman's mind and why she didn't try to evacuate the entire bus or tell the bus driver or what she felt like was going to happen. Yeah, I feel like she should have just said, like, take up instead of stop the bus. Like, I mean, of course, there's always there's no right answer because in the moment you're freaking out and right. you're just and you're doing just like, your best at trying to to, to get with what you can in the situation. But I wonder what would have happened had she said, like, he stole my wallet. You have to drive us to the police station. Right. But would that have then put all of them in danger? W- yeah. Would they have ever made it to the police station? Right. At what point did this go down? What triggered it? And also, it's interesting because if she hadn't seen the feet disappeared, mm-hmm. would she have noticed? Would she have gotten off? 
Yeah. And also part of me was thinking like, what if these were time travelers popping between dimensions? What if there's this whole like gang of time travelers and they not necessarily were people from the past, but were dressed as such to then fit into this old time period. Maybe they caught their prisoner of war and were he was injured and they were dragging him onto the bus. I love that they took the bus, if that's they the took- case. But then but then why oh, yeah, I guess that's a that's a huge flaw in the plot. <laughs> and also like unless they needed the bus to be their transportation machine and the reservoir that the bus was found in was the location to travel through time. Yeah, maybe there that's where the portal was. But then why take so many other people, innocent people down with you? And they clearly had a negative energy about them. And I like to think time travelers are not all, but like I hope most time travelers are good people. I'm just thinking of like a time traveler gang type of situation. <laughs> oh, like bad guys. Yeah, like what's that movie? Hot Tub Time Machine? No, where they he oh god. But it's like a it's like a criminal circle and they get sent these sort of like jobs. It's almost like the Mandalorian where like you get a token, you get a job and you have to do it, but it's through time travel. It's through these loops. Is it Looper? Is Looper the what I'm thinking? Looper is a movie. I don't I don't think I've uh, I've seen it though. I don't know. Oh god, this is going to bother me. <laughs> I'll figure it out. Everyone else is screaming on the other end of this podcast right now probably. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That, that happens all the time. I'll figure it out and then I'll tell you. Please. It was a good movie. Whatever it was, it was so good. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so that's the mystery of bus 375 or midnight bus in Beijing, China. And no one knows what has happened to it. That is just so wild. Yeah. It's just, it's, it kind of reminds me of when you covered the Davlov Pass. Mm -hmm. It's just like one of those things where you see the end result, but what could have happened between then and the end makes hardly any sense right you're just left like scrambling to for all of these hypotheticals it's so confusing it's so confusing oh my goodness that's really scary yeah man oh and like when i think of buses i also think of what's that bus murder oh up in manitoba canada right in the greyhound murders yeah up in manitoba canada a few years ago that man who was mentally ill beheaded another man on the bus and did gross things like Mm -hmm. nibble on his fingers and cut his ears off. And he said that like Satan or or someone was telling him that he had to kill this one particular person in order to like save everyone else. So scary. So yeah, I believe he's in a mental institution now getting help. That's good. I don't know. But yeah, that was in Manitoba. Winnipeg. It's scary. You're not safe. You're not safe anywhere. Nope. Anything can happen. So just enjoy life. Try to not freak out too much. And bring pepper spray with you wherever you go. Yeah. What'd you pick? Well, as I was looking up stories, I realized that quite a few of them were either from Asia or from the UK. And I knew you were doing one in Asia. It makes sense because I feel like we, we talk a lot about, we often cover stories that are local to us in our continent of North America. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, the rest of the world is pretty much from in the majority of buildings and establishments and just history. It's 
way older. And so it makes sense that these places are the places that often come up when you're searching these haunted yes. sites. And so I wasn't entirely surprised to see so many bus stop tales from the UK. Although I was also like, what? Why haven't we been hearing about this before? I found a few encounters. So three, three stories I saw um, that I wanted to share with you. Oh, three. Three little stories. I don't have the names of the users because they were posted under like usernames on these ghost platforms where people Uh, were like, help me figure out what just happened to me (laughs) and this type of stuff. So um, to avoid confusion, I'm going to just name them what would I decide to name them. So so apologies if this happens to be actually your story, listener, and I got your name wrong or how cool have I got it right? Yeah. Okay. Around 1975, there was a man who had been working as a bus driver in Durham area. And if you look at the map, Durham is about halfway between Leeds and Edinburgh, which means nothing to me because I've never been (laughs) to England. But I looked it up anyway to give other people an idea if they generally know the area. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to call this guy Adam. So this encounter happened one night in late summer around 10 p.m., And Adam was driving a single-decker bus. He was a bus driver. That was his job. The bus that he was driving was single-decker, so one floor. And it had an entrance in the front and another one kind of towards the middle slash back region. But both of the entrances and all of the seats within the bus were visible to him. So if he looked in the rearview mirror, he could generally get a sense of where everyone was and what people Mm -hmm. were doing and if there was anyone getting on or off the bus. So He looks back, he does an initial scan of the bus, and he sees that it's completely empty, so he's like, cool, I get to drive back to the bus depot. My shift is done, clocking it in, we're going. So he starts making his way from the outer country lanes of Durham to the city center. But as he's driving, he notices a young woman at a bus stop with her hand out. So she's trying to flag down the bus, she's waving him down, she needs a ride. So he's like, ugh. All right, fine. I'll do my job, even (laughs) though my shift is over. I'll stop and be a good citizen because there is a young woman alone at night at this bus stop. He pulls over, Adam pulls over, and he opens the doors. And this woman, she appears to be in her mid-20s, mid to early 20s, or early to mid-20s. I said that reverse. Mm -hmm. And she's a little bit disheveled, and she's pretty teary. She's, She's crying. And he asks her, like, are you, do you need to ride back to Durham city center. That's where I'm heading. Is that where you're needing to go? And she says, yes. And he's like, okay, great. I actually have to take the bus back to the office. Like we're not running the bus anymore, but I'm happy to just drop you off where you need to be. Um, and this one particular road and city center is on my way. So can I drop Mm -hmm. you there? And she was like, sure. So she goes, she takes a seat and he keeps looking back just to check on her, see if she's okay, see if, you know, she stopped crying or what's going on. So every once in a while, he'll look back in the rearview mirror. But for the most part, he's just driving on, driving to city center, intending to drop her off at this road. So mm-hmm. as he's approaching her stop, Adam said that they were almost there. And he opens the door and then he goes to look to watch her leave. But she's no longer there. There's no sign of her. There's no movement. Nothing. Oh my so gosh. he's like, hmm, maybe I should probably go check. Maybe she went and laid down and is sleeping in the back. Right. So he walks down the aisles of the bus and finds absolutely no one. Ah. So he's so scared. He's so confused. He runs back to the radio at the front of the bus. 
And he calls the bus depot for assistance. I don't even, I can only imagine what he said. Like, there's a ghost in my bus. Yeah. <laughs> and then, <laughs> like, someone stay awake for me. Someone don't leave the bus depot. I don't want to be yeah. alone when I get there. Like, help me figure this out. So he radios in, does all that. And then it starts to become sort of like the talk of the town within the bus depot and his bus company. And he himself is talking about what happened over the next few days because he's like, what the hell just happened to me? This is the most confusing yeah. thing. This is so scary. This hasn't happened to me before. Now that he's talking about it, other people start helping him connect the dots. Turns out in the same spot where he had picked up this mysterious vanishing woman, a young woman matching the same description had been visiting her boyfriend when they got in a fight. And instead of having her boyfriend drive her home, she insisted on taking the bus. And so crying, she walked to the bus station and right in front of the station, she tried to cross the street and she was struck by a car and she died immediately. <gasps> Oh my gosh. This happened at 10 p.m. on a summer evening. It was the same exact time of night that she was killed. And in fact, when Adam pulled over to pick her up, it happened to be the anniversary of her death. Whoa. So he picked her up same time, same day, just a year or so later. So other people have also reported seeing her as well, her spirit, not necessarily at the bus stop, but she will walk along that road looking for a ride to bring her towards Durham City Center. She She's always, always trying to make it back home, always upset and always looking for a ride. Oh my gosh. So sad. All right. Wow. So another experience from the UK. There was a man who we're going to call Carl. And it's funny because I chose these names because my neighbor is from the uk his name is adam but i, I can't remember his name for the life of me and i always call him carl so i was like well i'll just name both of these characters after him love it <laughs> the real him and then the him i've created for him inspired by your own life inspired by my own life okay so a man named carl he had previously worked for a company where he was often assigned to the night shift more often than not, he was working at night. So mm -hmm. he would get off around midnight and then he would take the company bus home. So that was awesome. So they had this company bus that would take all of the employees home and just make their way through the neighborhoods for whoever uh, needed to be dropped off. And his neighborhood was the furthest one away. So he usually was more often than not the very last person that was dropped off. So during the last leg of the trip, this one particular night, there were three people left on the bus. There was him, Carl. There was another man, in the back and then there was a young lady sitting in the middle of the of the bus the bus driver turned and he confirmed all three people's addresses he asked everybody what their addresses were they all responded mm -hmm. and the man starts the bus driver starts uh to drive towards the man's house first uh -huh. the man that's sitting in the very back so when they got to this man's street they waited for him to get off but nothing happened and the bus driver is kind of impatient at this point and he asked like <laughs> asks the young woman who was sitting closest to where the man had been when he first got on to sit down to go walk a few aisles back and check figuring out or figuring that he is probably just like laying down and distracted or asleep right. or headphones in or whatever. And mm -hmm. so she walks back and she sees no one and she just hurries and runs to the front of the bus. She starts praying. She starts crying. She says, no one's there. Take me home immediately. She's so freaked out. And so the bus driver is oh also freaked out. He turns all the lights on on the bus and they just like floor it. They race to this girl's house. They are all trying to like get get their freaking rides over with. And so once they get to Carl's house, he's the last stop. The other girl has been let off. The mystery guy vanished. 
and Carl hops off and he begins to walk towards his house from the street corner where he was dropped. And it's around 2 a.m. at this point and something odd starts to happen. So remember, Carl has... This is his job. He does this all the time. This is yeah. his normal commute. There's, He's used to being dropped off between midnight and 2 a.m. He's used to this right. type of schedule. It's not like he's on edge because it's out of the norm for him to be walking down the street at night alone. Right. But every dog he passes by in their yards, in their homes, walking down the street, whatever, they seem to all be awake and staring at something that is right behind him. <gasps> So he keep, he's walking oh, no. and he keeps turning around and checking, trying to see what's behind him, but there's nothing there. But still, every single dog seems to be fixed on what is right behind him. So he finally gets home. He goes inside. He goes to the window and he looks out and he watches outside for 10 minutes because he's like, someone's got to be following me. There's got to be someone here. But again, he sees all of the dogs. This time they're all staring at the same thing, but nothing is there. What? So he believes because this area is actually the site of many murders and accidents and gang activities and there's Uh. sightings of ghosts and paranormal creatures and all of this stuff that's all happening in this area of the UK, which he didn't disclose what area it is, so I can't tell you. But he believes that it's possible that that man had maybe been the spirit of, you know, someone that was somehow involved in some of this activity, whether it be murdered, murderer an accident someone who maybe was dumped there was a, it was a big site for body dumps from the local gang but whoever it was he thinks that he followed him home waiting outside his house for him to go to bed oh that's so creepy it just i mean all of these it's like what are these it makes me wonder if these ghosts are confused if they're getting on the bus because they think they need to get to a specific destination and this is a way to get there but then on the journey to it something prevents them from going any further right it's like what is the purpose right or are they reliving something that they did in their life in their day-to-day normally Mm -hmm. i don't know but this last one i'm about to tell you about (laughs) is the weirdest one out of all oh god okay okay so this next encounter also comes from the uk though the exact location is not listed And a woman wrote about her strange experience on her bus ride. We're going to name her Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. So Sarah took the same bus to work every single day. Regular commute, just like the last guy, Carl. And on one particular day, she had a very strange experience. It was the 14th of June of some year that was not listed. (laughs) And it was around 7.40 a.m. She was already on the bus. She always sat in the same seat or like same area. She always just sat right by the window on the left side of the bus. Mm -hmm. And she liked being there because she could kind of like people watch and and see who was getting on the bus and observe the people at the bus stop as they were boarding. It was just like something to do to not be incredibly bored. I get that. Yes. So the bus starts to approach a stop that is a regular stop. They are usually there at around that time. Okay, so she's sitting by the window on the left-hand side of the bus, and it's a spot that she always sat in. Nothing was out of the ordinary. The bus always stopped at that part. It's the usual route. This is a regular bus stop. This happens at this time every day. Sarah rides it every single day. So nothing out of the ordinary. But she sees this girl at the bus stop that she'd never seen before. And it only drew her attention because most of the people that she saw every day were the same commuters because it was the same exact time, same bus, blah, 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 blah. So it's easy to to start to recognize people. But this was, was a new girl. She'd never seen her before. And the girl 
had a very shallow and pale complexion. She had straggly, greasy, dark hair. She wore a creased t-shirt uh, that was far too large for her. Sarah said that it honestly looked like it was a men's t-shirt that she had on. And this girl was wearing a very, very large backpack. And she stood out even more because she was wearing these bright red trousers. They were also very, very creased. And she was just sitting at the bus stop, crisscrossed legs on the bench. And so when the bus fully comes to a stop and opens its doors, the girl gets up and she moves towards the bus. But her movement was really quick, like a bit too quick. Like it looked odd. And so Sarah was immediately like, all right, I'm going to watch this chick because this is just like intriguing. I'm curious now because her movements seem almost inhuman. Ooh. And so Sarah is watching for the girl to come onto the bus, but the girl seems to have stopped right in the entrance of the bus, like maybe took a step on, but didn't didn't actually fully come on. She doesn't go and take a seat. So a few minutes pass, and then the bus driver actually switches off the engine and for another few minutes, and the girl is with the bus driver. So now Sarah is super curious. She's like, what could they yeah. be talking about? It's What's been quite happening? a few minutes. Like, is there an argument about fair? Is like, right. what the hell is happening? So she's just like trying to be a little nosy and a little bit curious about what's going on. So she takes off her headphones to listen, but she doesn't hear anything at all. There's just like no noise, no talking, nothing. What? It's totally silent. So then incredibly quickly, the girl hops off the bus suddenly and she goes and sits back down where she had been prior and the bus drives off. Whoa. And Sarah's like, that's weird. But moving on, <laughs> Sarah only realizes that something is truly off when 10 minutes later, the bus pulls up to its next stop on the main road, far from the last stop. Oh, my gosh. And Sarah looks towards the people waiting to get on the bus. And <gasps> the girl is there. Again? Cross-legged at the bus with her bright red pants, her giant backpack, her oversized shirt and all, just as she had been at the very last stop. Oh, and this time, the girl came onto the bus so fast, like faster than Sarah had ever seen anyone move before. And she flung herself into the seat next to Sarah. And Sarah hadn't even had time to move the bag in the seat that she had sitting next to her. So like Sarah had her bag in the seat and this girl yeah. just flies onto the bus and sits on her stuff. Oh my gosh. And so Sarah's like, okay, this is uncomfortable. And so she's awkwardly yanking <laughs> at her bag, pulling it out from the girl who is now just sitting next to her and seemingly like not caring that she's sitting on top of Sarah's stuff. stuff. And the girl wow. didn't look at her. She totally ignored her as Sarah was trying to release the bag from under the girl. What? And then Sarah gets her bag and she's just like, all right, this is weird. But like, obviously very aware of this person who's sitting next to her now. Right. And then the girl took her huge backpack and from it, she pulled a large coffee in a disposable cup. So like, is this Mary Poppins? That It feels like that. But like, how did the coffee not spill? That was something Sarah talked about. It wasn't like it was in a thermos or like in a canteen. It was in a cup. Like if you went to Starbucks. Right. It has the hole in it. Right. And the lid could pop off. Yep. But she takes out this giant coffee from her huge ass backpack and just starts sipping at it and she sits incredibly still and she's just drinking her bean juice just real bean weird juice sipping that coffee man and sarah's like what in god's name is going on here not only is this chick acting super strange but how in the hell did she get from the last bus stop to this one faster than the bus and so sarah's super curious and like the girl 
is only looking forward. She's not making any movements. So Sarah's like <laughs> over in her phone really slyly pulling out her phone and looking at Google Maps. And she looks up the time that it would have taken to travel from the bus stop that she first saw this girl at to the bus stop where the girl actually got on the bus and sat next right. to her. And it said that the walking time from the first bus stop to the second was 42 minutes. And it said what? that the driving time from the first stop to the second stop was 18 minutes. 42 minutes to walk. 42 minutes to walk, 18 minutes to catch a ride. But the bus had a specially designated bus route and it made the drive about 10 minutes. So no matter what, the bus is the fastest route. It's the fastest mode of transportation. So how in the hell did this girl get herself from the last bus stop to this bus stop in less than 10 minutes? And what is the purpose of getting on, then getting off, then going to the next stop and getting on again? And none of this made sense. And Sarah was just sitting there like really weirded out. And now the person is sitting next to her and she's like also hyper aware of this person and was at the first stop. So it's like the coincidence factor of her sitting next to her too is also very strange. I know it's weird. It's like, uh, yeah, it's all just super weird. And the fact that she moved so quickly too freaks me out because it's not like she like it's not like the girl got onto the bus and assessed where she was going to sit. She's just like super speed sprinted into the seat next to Sarah. Ooh. And like, what the hell was she talking to the bus driver about? Or like, was the bus driver just awkwardly standing there staring at this girl that was like staring back at him for five minutes? How creepy is that? Or did he not even see her? (gasps) I don't like the story anymore. Is there more? What else happened? There's more. (gasps) Okay. Okay. So she's super weirded out by this girl, but the girl's like minding her own business. So she's like, whatever, no big deal. I'm just sitting here. I'm riding the bus. This is cool. (laughs) Riding the bus. Just normal life. Riding the bus. And then then the girl suddenly turns and looks at Sarah. No. And she doesn't just turn. She's beaming. (gasps) She is smiling so Ah! hard at Sarah. No. And the girl she said, had a really nice and kind smile, but was like really studying Sarah. She was looking at her face, taking her in, like really deeply focused on Sarah. Oh, that makes me think it's going to like turn into Sarah. Yeah. It's so creepy. It's like when I read this, I was like, this is like BEK meets lizard person. Meets skinwalker. Meets skinwalker. Oh my God. Yes. Oh my God. Oh no. It. Yeah. Oh, Oh. maybe. All right, so then Sarah, as this this girl is, like, staring at her, Sarah's obviously, like, catching glimpses <laughs> of her, too. Probably, like, awkward side-eyeing and, like, giving like, a little what are nod. what you doing? And Sarah says that this girl has to only be around 12 or 13 years old. She's so oh, young. I'm imagining so much older. Right, but she isn't carrying herself like a child at all. So Sarah said she both looked like a child and didn't at all at the same time weird but this girl she keeps smiling and then she looks away and then she'll turn back and smile again like really smile like really enjoying being next to sarah why are smiles so creepy smiles are creepy stop (laughs) smiling sarah smiles back and she's just like what and it continues to happen until eventually the stop where sarah needs to get off comes and so she stands up and the girl takes the hint like she's got to let sarah out so she moves but she's still smiling and staring (sighs) at sarah And Sarah then walks down the bus stairs, and as she's about to pop off, she looks back once more, and the girl is still looking at her, beaming. Okay, that's better than the girl being gone. True. But she 
has never made sense of what this is. She's never seen the girl again. She can't put her finger on what was wrong. This girl was maybe just an ordinary girl going about her day. Maybe she's just a little different and just like smiling at Sarah. But it doesn't explain how she moved inhumanly fast. It doesn't explain some of the odd behaviors when she first got onto the bus. And a huge chunk of time is missing from how she got from point A, bus stop A, to bus stop B quicker than the bus or a car or her own walking or sprinting could have. So was she a spirit? Was she some sort of paranormal creature? Skinwalker. I now am on your side with that. I think that that does make a lot of sense. And and it's almost... (sighs) It's so creepy because it feels targeted in the weird way that she was studying her. Like, also part of me wonders if she sat on the backpack and stole something of Sarah's and is going to now, like, there's another version of Sarah roaming the city and getting on buses. And it's like a doppelganger situation in this entity or whatever it is, stole her identity. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Is that how it happens? It's like you have to sit and smile at someone for long enough to, like, really observe and take in who they are. Yeah, I don't know. I do wonder Ooh. if this, if, I mean, I named her Sarah, but who knows what her actual name is. But I wonder if she has had any weird things of people thinking that they saw her when she'd never right. been there. Doppelgangers are so creepy. And I, no offense to my doppelganger, if you're listening out there, don't be <laughs> mad at me for thinking you're creepy. I just think it's creepy that you try to take over my life and kill me. That's what's creepy. Yeah. You could have like lookalike doppelgangers in the world, but that's not creepy. But like the active, whatever entity it is that's like, oh, I'm going to become you and mimic you and take over your life. That's, I mean, on a scale of creepy of one to 10, that's like a 10.2. That's a 10.2. And the thing about doppelgangers is like an, like a doppelganger just in the world as like a, a regular human, like you're, you could be just as fascinated or creeped out with that person as that, as that person is with you. But with the paranormal doppelganger, it's, it's one-sided. Like only you are scared. They are Whatever right. that thing is, is thrilled to have the opportunity to take over what you've... To be you. Yeah. It's like, I put a lot of work into my life. So like, can you not just take over it? Do the work yourself. Kind of reminds me of the Paul Rudd show, Living With Yourself. Oh, I don't know it. It's... I watched the whole thing, but uh, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> I watched it because I how TV him, is nowadays. It's but like, it was just odd enough that I was just like, eh, I probably... Hmm. Didn't need to watch the whole thing, but I just <laughs> like closure. So I had to finish the series. <laughs> yeah, that's strange. I, I don't know how to make sense of that story yet either. I don't know. It's all so creepy. And, but he, here's the thing. And it's so interesting because like we've done planes, we've done trains, and now we've done buses. Mm-hmm. So there's what other mode of transportation? I mean, we've had stories come in of people who are walking, who are biking and see things like no matter what right. you do or where you go, there is always the potential to encounter something, whether you are prepared for it or not, whether it's 2 a.m., whether it's 8 p.m. in the summertime or whether it's a 740 a.m. commute into work in the sunshine. Yeah. You know, that just proves that ghosts are everywhere and they're real. And you might think it's nothing, but it's something. I truly feel like I'm at a sleepover because I'm like laying on my stomach. I have my feet up in the air. Yeah, you, <laughs> And I'm really going to tell you a ghost story. third story that I was telling you, like fully flipped over onto your stomach and you were like, yeah. And then what happened? <laughs> Is there more? Yeah. What else? There's more. <laughs> 
But first, let's get s'mores. Oh, I'm hungry. Oh, <laughs> that does sound good, s'mores. Mm. I'm okay. going to eat dinner after this. Listener stories, I'm really, really eager to hear what you picked. Okay. I don't even remember. I don't remember anything that happens in my life anymore. Lost my mind. Okay. This is from Phoenix. And her subject line is a ghost saved my life, question mark, two stories. Hi, Corinne and Sabrina. I discovered your podcast recently and have been binge listening to it. I thought I would send in some creepy experiences and maybe they will make it on your show. First of all, I don't normally have ghost experiences, except for one time, which I'm including below, though I am surrounded by people who seem to be sensitive. I thought I would also send you something that happened to my husband. On a side note, I do not want any experiences as I look over my shoulder in case the ghost is reading my email because my heart cannot handle that shit. So first story, which she calls my experience, a ghost saved my life. I think we live in a house on a semi busy road, especially during rush hour. It's not a highway, but it's a main road where lots of people drive on to get home. The road also has a gentle hill and my house is in the middle of the slope. So once in a while, if you look just once to cross, if a car is driving super fast, you may not see it before it comes over the top of the hill. That is why I always look left and right a few times before crossing. At any rate, on one evening in November, I was crossing the street after getting off the bus. I waited for five or six cars to pass and I didn't do my double look. I know, stupid. But it was the end of the workday and I was tired and not thinking. Just when I was about to step off the curb, it felt like something was gluing my right foot to the curb. I couldn't step off. I remember trying to tug on my foot to get it to move, and I thought it was a bit odd because I stopped hard right on the curb. And normally, being the klutzy person I am, I would have stepped off with the other foot at least, so one would have been on the curb and one foot on the road, or fallen over with that abrupt of a stop. As the, oh, this is odd thought was passing through my brain, a car whizzed past at what felt like 40 to 50 miles per hour. It was a black car passing in the dark about six inches in front of me. I was also wearing all black, including my all new black leather jacket, and they didn't stop as they sped by. There was no hesitation, so I am sure they didn't see me either. If I had stepped off, I would have died or have been severely injured right in front of my own house. The funny thing is, I was wearing that new leather jacket when we visited my father-in-law's partner in palliative care right before she passed away. At one point, things got kind of dark and depressing and a conversation fell silent. And to make things light in her smile, I talked about how cute the jacket was and what a great deal I got on it and etc. Fun stuff to not talk, think about death and take her mind off things. This incident actually happened a week within her passing. It might have been days, actually which is part of the reason why I was tired was with the emotional roller coaster I was going through. Anyway, I like to think it was probably Leah protecting me that night. So thanks, Leah. I really haven't had the experience again on that curb, but I do always look twice now, no matter what, if there are cars or not, day or night. One of my husband's experiences. My husband has a lot of ghost experiences, which is odd because he is an engineer and is super logical and fact-based. He did grow up in a very haunted house. Both him and my mother-in-law have heard footsteps when they have been home alone with no one else around. They have also heard conversations and voices in another room and thought someone came home and would go check only to be home alone. At any rate, I suppose he's just more sensitive to experiences because of this, despite his natural tendency to discount the paranormal. His creepiest experience has to be at his old work. The office he worked at is an open concept office with everyone in cubicles, but it had a door that led to the front desk that could be closed. 
This particular instance, my husband was working away on something in his cubicle, and the accountant also happened to be there. Randomly, the door that leads from the office to the front desk started slowly swaying open and closed, open and closed. Annoyed because it was distracting him from his work, he looked up and started talking about how odd it was to the accountant, especially since there was no wind and no windows were open and there was no one at the front desk, so there was no draft from the front door. The accountant said to him, well, maybe someone is trying to get your attention. Thinking it was funny and a silly thing to say, my husband sarcastically said, well, they should fuck off because I am trying to get some work done here. And then the door slammed shut. Oh, yeah. He sat there stunned in silence with the accountant, and then he came home and told me about it. I pretty much couldn't sleep that entire night, but it also never happened again in the office. So maybe the spirit left my husband alone after that. But it's also not the last time strange shit would happen to him because he seems to have a lot of odd experiences. At any rate, that's my two stories for now. By the way, I listened to the episode containing the crown of cat skills in it. And of course, I did that in the evening and an evening that my husband was away for work. Suffice oh no. it to say, after listening to it, I immediately turned on Netflix and had to watch a few episodes of The Good Place before I could go to bed. See you on the other side, Phoenix. I think the crown of cat skills is probably like one of the scariest episodes. I completely agree. So I feel her with The Good Place and good choice. Love The Good Place. I wonder what type of spirit it was. I wonder, or sorry, that's a semi out of context because she had quite a few things to say, but I'm, I'm thinking about the last part about her husband and the slamming. Right. Do you think that it was like a bad presence or do you think it was just like a little old granny that's like, do not use curse words or like a kid who, you know, once they're told off, they get like angry and storm away. Exactly. Yeah. That's a good point. It did seem innocent. It just, and the reason I thought kid is like that the opening and closing a door like that, swaying it back and forth, seems like something a kid would do to entertain themselves. Yeah, just like, right. And you're just like, oh my God, can you stop? Can you stop? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. But the fact that she was saved after she got off the bus, I know, is amazing. Also, seems like a dangerous place to be dropped off. Like, Maybe like get dropped off on the other side of the road or a little bit further down the hill, which makes you walk more, I guess. But I don't know. Yeah, it's that's a hard thing. It's like there's what's the right answer. It's either like you're out in the elements for longer or you risk it for like a small. Yeah. Spurt of seconds. Spurt of seconds. A spurt. Sounds like something that would come out of a sprinkler. Oh, summer days. They're Uh, soon. Miss it. They're also, by the way, Nick like is hungover from his birthday celebrations and went out into our living room. Guess what he turned on? Love is blind. <laughs> yes. Are you kidding? So I've been hearing that like cheesy music that like they play in between transitions. I looked at Jessica's Instagram and apparently, and this is very sad and I, I feel so sad for her. Apparently her dog like ate something terrible while they were filming and like had to get emergency surgery and almost died. And <gasps> she tried to leave the show and they wouldn't let her. And so like between filming, like late at night, she would go to the like dog hospital and like, be with her dog who was like on death's oh door and ended up surviving and being okay. But she was like, it was the hardest thing to do. Jeez. Oh, that's so sad. Also, like don't feed your, your dog's wine. Yeah. Don't feed your dog's wine. Okay. One more email to end us on. This is from our listener, Brian, and it is called Boy Scout Trip. Hello, young ladies. This is my first submission, and I feel that it might be a little long. (laughs) (laughs) 
I thought I'd start with that as I've been listening to your podcast and rarely hear from dad-aged men. I have been sensitive to spirits all my life and have determined throughout the years that it's usually not the location that's haunted, but it's just certain locations the spirits following me can come through easier. Interesting. Whoa. As you would expect from a 50-plus-year-old man, I have a book full of stories and my wife and my children have their favorites. Oh, God, what I would give to sit at this dinner table. (laughs) Same. Sounds so fun. I rarely have experiences that include other people, but I have one that stands out strongly. When I was 14 years old, my parents allowed me to take a road trip with my Boy Scouts leader for two weeks around the Southwest. It was a different time then, and I know that sending your child off alone with a grown man is no longer allowed, but (laughs) everything was just fine. The story starts when we stopped at a rest stop in the desert to sleep for the night. It was the beginning of an evening, so the orange glow of the setting sun was making the desert a beautiful picture. In the parking lot was an old school bus that had been converted into a motorhome. It was parked in the end spot and looked like it had been there for a while. Since we had nothing better to do, we went over to introduce ourselves. There was this old man that had a lot of great stories. He showed us around the bus, and the only thing that really stood out was the back of the bus, and he had bookshelves filled with books. The topic eventually got around ghost stories, and this old man told us that the best story was right around the hill at the back of the parking lot. He explained that there was a mine shaft that you could walk into and that some people heard noises. Being 14 and loving scary stories, I pleaded with my scoutmaster to grab a few lights and to go explore. I'm not sure if he wanted to go or if he agreed to shut me up, but we eventually geared up and we headed out into the darkness to find that mine shaft. Oh my gosh. As we walked, he kept saying that 99% of stories are just like that, stories, and we would more likely just be walking around the entire time, returning to the parking lot before we would find the open mine shaft. Well, he couldn't have been more wrong. Right (laughs) where the old man said it would be, there was a mine shaft. It looked new compared to what I was expecting from seeing other abandoned mines. We walked in and noticed that every 50 feet or so, the shaft would make a 90 degree turn either to the left or to the right. My scoutmaster tried to explain that making a shaft that way was strange because miners were usually following a vein in the rock and that they were usually straight and just slightly curved. Mm. As he was talking, we started hearing noises like a pick hitting solid rock. We listened for a bit and the noise didn't stop. My scoutmaster decided that the mine was still in use and said that it explained how new it looked. He wanted to speak with the miners and ask some questions, so we continued on into the tunnel. This is so dangerous. Yeah. As we rounded the turn, we noticed a light up around the next turn and yelled to whoever to get their attention. With no response, we kept walking, expecting to see someone after the next turn. But when we got to the turn, the light seemed to be coming from the turn ahead of us already. This happened over and over until my scoutmaster decided that it was just someone playing a joke on us. The picking noise was still clearly heard this entire time. As we rounded another turn, the light was gone and the noise had stopped. We looked around and realized in the darkness that we were in the final chamber and that it was a dead end. We shined our lights on the entire room and there was nothing and nobody in there. I Ah. admit that I got scared from the way that he quickly wanted to leave. And I believe the scoutmaster was scared too. On our way out, the picking noise started again, and as we looked back, the light seemed to be following us out of the shaft. It would shine behind us like someone walking, holding a lantern or a flashlight. When we got out of the mine, we wanted to rush back and tell the old man what we had seen and what we'd heard. We made our way back to the parking lot, and everything was different. 
cars that were parked there seemed to be in different spots. The bus was gone altogether. We walked up to the minivan that was parked in the spot that the bus had occupied just an hour earlier, and they told us that they'd been there for hours and that they'd never seen a bus in the lot. <gasps> oh. We decided to drive on into the night instead of staying in that lot any longer. We never spoke about the incident during or after the trip for over 10 years. I met back up with him about 12 years later, and I had to ask if he had the same memory I did. He told me the story from his perspective, and it was eerily identical to my rendition. This was the first incident having someone else come with me into my ghost world. There are many more stories like this through the years. Stay safe and always explore in groups. I'll yeah. see you on the other side. Brian. Um. Chills, chills, chills. Wow. First of all, nervous the entire time just because you're wandering into a mine shaft that could easily, you could get lost. It's dark. That just scares me altogether. I, it's not something yeah. I would do, but it's so, why do you think the light? Oh, I have so many questions because my first thought was like that it was something kind of sinister and it was leading them through the tunnels with the intention, kind of like the catacombs, like leading them with the intention of trying to get them lost. But then at the same time, right. it follows them back out, like almost providing them light and trying to ensure that they'll safely leave as well. So I don't, I don't understand. It is strange, but it's very clearly something about that area. Like there's, there's something haunting that area. Ooh, was the miner actually the man with the van? The man with the van. That's like a children's book. The miner is the man with the van. I don't know. Right? How weird. They went into a... That's what freaks me out. Very normal experiences where you're like you go into a cafe and suddenly you're in the 1940s or you step into a bus that never existed in that spot when you were there. Right. Just like physically jumping into a, something that is paranormal. It's... Or is this like a glitch in the matrix? And when they... I could see it being a glitch in the matrix or being like a time slip in a way. But yeah, like altering your reality to the point where you then don't know what was real and what wasn't is such a confusing, not that it's happened to me, but I can imagine it's such a confusing feeling. And then you like drive yourself mad as like, did that actually happen or not? 12 years he sat wondering if it was exactly the way he thought it was. Uh, So crazy. We need more stories from Brian and we need more stories from people like Brian. We need more stories from all of our listeners. From all of our listeners. But too, he makes a good point that, come on, guys, we would love to hear your stories too. Yeah. The dads have stories. Yes. Dads always have stories. Woo. What a spooky time riding the bus. Riding the bus. I used to think riding the bus was scary because I was thinking about just all the children and the germs and everything like that. I was never a child that rode the bus. I thought you were going to talk about the drinking game, Ride the Bus. I was, also and then very I, scary. I, I diverged. <laughs> but it, both, uh, all, all types of riding the bus sometimes seem a bit intimidating. The drinking game, going on the bus when you're five years old, going on the public transportation when you don't understand where it stops, when it stops, and which bus goes where, because it's all so confusing, but apparently everyone else understands. I really appreciated the bus because when I was in middle school, I lived a mile away from school and that meant that I didn't get a bus and so I had to walk to school in the winter and it was freezing and there were hills and then I really appreciated getting one 
You walked? Yeah, I had to walk in middle school. Did mom not drive you or I mean, local my parents car- caravan? I mean, sometimes if it was like really bad and then someone else in the neighborhood was driving, but I walked. Did you guys walk as a group? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Thank God. I was just thinking like, Sabrina, you were so lucky you didn't get kidnapped. I also lived in like the, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but the, also time, the 90s, it's a little different. Like people were just like, go. Not my thing. mom. <laughs> no. I had such a fear of strangers. I think that I, my mom taught me stranger danger that I literally would hide behind bushes if a car drove by. Oh my goodness. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. So I had lots of fear instilled into me. Yeah. Well, thank you all for listening. Send us emails to two girls, one ghost podcast at gmail.com. You can support us in many ways. We have merch, we have Patreon and we have iTunes. Please rate and review us on iTunes and quick shout out to Eric Foster at Fire Digital for editing this episode. We appreciate you. You're great. And we will see you on the other side. side.